Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for the Book of Acts to the Ends of the Earth, Week 3. Captain Bradley Hargis at the Salvation Army of Hot Springs. And this week, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through chapter 5, verse 11. You'll know from last week, we saw this incredible story about how the believers were filled in Acts chapter 2 during the day of Pentecost. And that uh, really pushed them uh, to uh, have acts of radical generosity and share what they had and be a beacon of hope to those in Jerusalem that saw them. We do know that there were some haters, though, on the side. People thought they were drunk and out of their mind. But we do know that the believers go on to actually impact Jerusalem and show God. And we actually uh, pick up right where that story left off in Acts chapter 4. And this is what it says, starting in verse 32. All of the believers were united in mind and heart. And they felt that what they had owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses, they would sell them. And bring the money to the apostles and give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, the one the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he was from the tribe of Levi and came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and brought the money to the apostles. And let's now transition to this story about uh, Annas and Sapphira. But there was a certain man named Annas who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought money of the, uh, to the apostles, claiming that it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Annas, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit. You kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was yours to give away. So how could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us but to God. As soon as Annas heard these words, he fell to the ground and he died. Everyone who heard about this was terrified. Then some of the men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Was this the price you and your husband received for your land? Yes, she replied. That was the price. And Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out too. Instantly she fell to the floor and died also. When the, when the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church, and everyone heard about what had happened. And so as we look at these um, as we look at these scriptures, we see uh, some themes that are kind of reoccurring. Uh, the first, of course, being fear. Uh, the church was scared, especially of what had happened to Annas and his wife, Sapphira. Also, too, we do see temptation. That um, We do see in their story that they don't give God everything that they have. They give a portion, and they both agree to this. We'll look at that a little bit more in a moment. Uh, we talk about how we can overcome um, adversity. And also we talk about courage. Specifically, uh, in this chapter, it's going to be talking about courage in light of persecution. So I really think our, our main idea is that 
as the kingdom of God moves forward, challenges from outside and within the church will always seem to occur. And we must stand strong against persecution, but also against Satan and his attempts to keep the kingdom of God from moving forward. And so as the disciples in this scripture continue to preach the gospel and perform miracles, they always seem to be uh, uh, on the offensive. And Satan is always offering a counterattack, and it's usually quick because persecution starts to bubble up, especially as the church is growing under Peter's leadership. Persecution from outside the door begins to occur. We see, if you look at the first part of Acts chapter 4, Peter and John are thrown in jail for preaching. And the two of them uh, use the situation to proclaim Jesus to the religious leaders, which is an incredible opportunity for them, but also... Uh, most of us might not look at that as an opportunity. The leaders don't know how to punish them, therefore they tell them to stop preaching and they release them back into the public. And so that kind of is the segue into our story today. And then after their release uh, for uh, being persecuted, Peter and John return to the other believers and they report all that has happened. And they worship God. That's their first reaction is they worship God. Um, the fear of persecution did not stop the church from growing. Instead, they came together and they prayed. What they prayed for is very interesting, though. Despite threats of more persecution, the followers of Jesus did not pray for safety, but they asked God for the grace and power to continue to speak His word with great boldness. I'm going to say that again. They did not pray for safety. Instead, though, they asked God for the power and grace to continue to speak his word with great boldness. And you find that directly in Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 30. That's really interesting for us. And the first way they respond isn't in fear. It isn't uh, hiding behind the door. It's actually in worship. That's an incredible challenge for us today. And though the threat of persecution um, is, I think, rather minimal for us in our culture, The devil does attack us with many fears. And the reality is we can't let these fears hold us back. As those who God has called to be his witnesses and to continue his mission in the world, we must overcome our fears and live courageously for God. And we must overcome our fears to experience the life of Jesus and have joy in his kingdom. I want you to think maybe to a movie that you've seen a while ago. Um... I know there was a movie that came out uh, called The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog, and it was actually um, one of the J.R.R. Tolkien uh, novels. And in this, Bilbo Baggins uh, has to face his greatest fear, and that's facing the dragon finally. They've been journeying all this time to finally find him. Well, he enters the Great Hall, and he sees this dragon asleep on all of this treasure and coin, but the dragon's asleep. And Bilbo in the story is paralyzed by fear and considers retreating to safety and even just kind of letting his friends fend for themselves. But however, knowing finally that his friends are relying upon him, he makes the decision to overcome his fear. And so eventually Swag, uh, Smog awakens and Bilbo must courageously retrieve the Arkenstone, which actually helps him defeat the dragon. And this is a really interesting kind of moment because you see this issue of fear kind of keep popping up and reoccurring in his life especially uh, not only in the these novels but also in the lord of the ring novels too and 
the interesting thing too is we very much uh, can even fall in line with that that we can be so gripped by fear um, that it paralyzes us from doing God's work in the world and really uh, the great thing is that God's given us the gift of community and one another uh, to where we don't have to fear but we can do it together in community and like Bilbo remembered his friends uh, we're relying upon them we too can remember that the Lord's relying upon us but also uh, our brothers and sisters within the church um, and the world's counting on us too if you look very quickly at Acts chapter 5 we see this really tragic story take place and it's kind of the, the polar opposite of what we see in chapter 4 because in chapter 4 we see these believers who are sharing everything that they have they're being generous they're practicing hospitality but we don't see that in chapter 5 um, we see the story of a married couple who sold some of their property they kept some of the money back for themselves and gave the rest to the church, which actually isn't a bad thing, right? It's not wrong to keep some back for yourself, but the problem was that they were deceptive about it. They kept some of the proceeds for themselves, and their sin was lying to the apostles, saying that the money they gave was from everything that they had sold. Verse 2 says that they kept some back. Um... And kept back, if you really just look at that, means that they put aside something for themselves, or they kept it back in a secret and a dishonest way. So um, it reminds me of a story that you see in Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, the story of Achan, uh, who received a sentence of death for holding back some of the spoils of Ai that were dedicated to God. And it's very, very similar that it's not that they kept something back, it's just that they were dishonest. And they're keeping something back. So in chapter 4, you see what happens whenever you practice hospitality, generosity, giving. And then in chapter 5, you see what happens if you're dishonest. Um, if you keep some back for yourself dishonestly. Um, and there's really a great object lesson between these two chapters. And so that kind of pushes us a little bit further on down the road in this thinking of that Satan really was the instigator behind the couple's deceitful deeds. And rather than being marked with the, with the spirit that we always see through this story, especially after Pentecost, their hearts were filled uh, with deception and lies that are contrary to the Holy Spirit. And in the same manner, Satan is the tempter. We see that in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. We see it in 1 Thessalonians chapter uh, 3, verse 5. But he comes against us and actually causes us to distrust the Spirit and to distrust God and one another. But we can overcome this by submitting to God and resisting the devil. And many of you know that, that very common scripture that we often repeat from James chapter 4, verse 7, but we can resist the devil because he will flee from us. So with every temptation that Satan seeks to sabotage us with, God limits it and provides us a means of escape. And that's directly from 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. So we can resist the devil and overcome temptation. It's not just about saying no to the devil, but it's also about saying yes to the life that God desires for us and wants us to live. And so I think that what really verses, uh, well, chapters uh, 4 through 5 are really trying to say is they're trying to say, hey, I want you to choose life. I want you to choose a life marked by the Spirit, a life that's marked by generosity and giving, a life that's marked by mutual trust and community, not a life that's set in distrust 
uh, or in selfishness or deception. Um, I think that's really what these two chapters are kind of uh, vying for. Um, and so as us, the reader, are supposed to go through this today, may we choose life. May we choose uh, to trust in the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, may we choose to be a great witness in this world despite whatever comes against us, uh, whether it be persecution or whether it just be maybe a family member saying something to us or maybe a co-worker or whatever it might be. And may we also be filled with the joy of the Lord as we continue proclaiming His truth in this world. Thank you for joining us for week three of our Acts to the Ends of the Earth series. If you have any questions, feel free to put them in the comment section. And again, may God bless you this week. Take care.